Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I started about five or six weeks ago a series that I'm concluding today that is called One More Soul. Everybody shout One More Soul. And I pray as a pastor here that you did not just go home and say, these are really good messages and did nothing about it. The whole purpose for the Word of God is that you would do something about it. Can I hear an amen? Because the, even the book of James says, what good is it if you hear the Word, don't let me preach this early, and not be a doer of the Word. I think... Half of the body of Christ says, man, that's a good preaching. Amen. Well, well, that was awesome. But then we don't apply what we hear. We need to be doers of the word. And my prayer is that why we started this, because I want to have a culture. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. It's our responsibility to create culture, not God's. We create culture. God's spirit is already there. How you create culture? By doing something over and over and over again. That's how you do it. And my prayer is that we don't become just a church that just comes in and receives praise God. We will always be that. But be a church that gives out and saves the lost and looks and saves the, That we will be known as a church of outreach to go after the broken, the hurting, the needy with the love of God and with the declaration of the gospel. Listen, to get people saved. Do you realize the greatest miracle in all of the earth is not a paraplegic getting healed. And I've seen that happen. The greatest miracle in all the world is not someone getting out of a wheelchair. And I've seen that happen. The greatest miracle, it, it's, it's not even a creative miracle where you see some, I have still yet to see this. Some of you have read about it. Where the, Jesus looked at the man had a withered arm and said, stretch out your hand. And, and a creative miracle literally happened where his hand stretched out. Although that is... One of the most powerful things you could probably ever witness, that's still not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is when someone gives their life to Jesus Christ, gets saved, gets saved, turns from darkness to light, and their spirit is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That is the greatest miracle. So why aren't we going after the greatest miracle in the world, which is salvation? So I want you to see Mark chapter 1. Now, I want you to see how Jesus approaches it because you've read this before, but I'm going to break it down from a practical sense so you realize sometimes what we think that is, um, how do I say this, unattractive in the natural, Jesus actually thinks is attractive. So I want everyone to pay attention. If we can have the worship team here follow along with us, that'll be great. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 14, and everyone said... All right, I'm going to read it in the New King James. It's going to be up on your screen. It says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. All right? And look what it says here. It says, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now look at verse 16. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net, into the sea. Now think about this sales pitch that he's about to give people that he probably didn't really dialogue with much. Okay? And he walked by the Sea of Galilee and saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Say fishermen. Then Jesus said, watch this here, to them. Here's this really interesting, attractive sales pitch to follow him. Ready? This is, a, this is one of the first times he has an encounter with them. Look what he says to them. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. 
follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Time out. I know you're not looking at me. You're looking at me strange because you don't know where I'm going. Do you know how really unattractive that is to fishermen? Do you realize that they made their profession by catching fish? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Casting a rod in the sea and catching dead people? What are you talking about? Do you know how unattractive in the natural that sales pitch was? He says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Okay? Now, now, now listen, listen to this because this is powerful. Let's continue. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They left their boats and they went after him. Look at me for a second. This is, to me, something that stood out to me that Jesus did when he was recruiting his disciples. If I was recruiting my disciples for the first time, I would come up with a better sales pitch than Jesus did. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying in my human nature, I'll be like, what can I say to them that would make them be really happy about following me? Wow, it got quiet in here. I would say something like, if you follow me, I will make you a better person. If you follow me, I will make you a better wife. Now, now notice what Jesus didn't say when he said his sales pitch to these people that he was recruiting for his discipleship on his team. He didn't say, follow me and I'll make you more spiritual. Although we know that if you follow Jesus, he'll be, you'll be more spiritual in a biblical sense, not in a weird sense. Amen. Notice that Jesus didn't say, if you follow me, I'll make you a better wife. Although if you follow him and you're confronted, com, uh, uh, confronted by his presence, he'll make you a better person. And that makes you a better person will make you a better wife. Can I hear an amen? Notice that he didn't say, if you follow me, I'll increase your business in fishing. Come on, church, you're not talking back to me. A lot of preachers today uh, 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 preach messages that if you give a, a, a certain amount, God will give, give you a boat. Or if you, or, or if you do this at a certain time, and then God is going to be like a big slot machine to give you what you want. He didn't say, if you follow me, I'll, give, I'll make you a better husband. Although we know that if you follow God, he will make you a better husband. What did Jesus say in the passing by of these disciples? He says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. What does that mean? That means is like Jesus, I could picture Jesus saying this. Guys, I'm happy that you're following me. I'm happy that you just, you're choosing to leave everything behind, watch this, and follow me. But I want to warn you, say warn you, if you follow me long enough, there's something in my heart that I'm going to transfer in your heart, and I'm going to graduate you from what I could do for you lately to a bigger picture that involves the world and your partnership with it. You know, I'm going to age myself. Now, back in the days, there used to be a song by Janet Jackson what have you done for me lately? <laughs> and that, that song is all about me. What have you done for me lately? Right? Ooh. <laughs> Some of you young people are like, what is that, Pastor George? That was my era right there. Janet Jackson, all this stuff. But listen, I'm not endorsing Janet Jackson, but that's what the gospel has become. If I follow Jesus, what is it in it for me? Come on, church. 
What, what, what have you done for me lately, Jesus, that I need to go after you and follow you? What can you do for me? And the gospel wants God to do something for you. But the gospel, if you follow Jesus long enough, he's going to deliver you from the what have you done for me lately mentality to a greater global picture that involves you and him reaching the world. He says, I will make you become Fishers of men. Now, you know me. I broke down the word make, and I broke down the word become in the Greek. And you know what it says? The word make in the Greek means to construct, to form, to form, to fashion. In other words, he, he, he is so passionate about us being fishers of men that he's going to actually form, construct, and fashion us to look that way. Watch, watch. And the word become in the Greek means to arise, to appear, oh, I love this, and to be finished. So it could read like this. Follow me, and I will construct and form and fashion you to arise and appear and be finished as fishers of men. Why are we following Jesus? Yes, to get our sins cleansed. Yes, but I'm here to tell you, the church needs to graduate from baby food and start having some steak spiritually, some arroz con adobo and, 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 and beans. Well, no, sazon or whatever. I just revealed that I don't cook, right? But I... T- <laughs> right. Jesus doesn't only want to manifest himself in you. He want to manifest, he want to manifest himself through you. Listen, I'm just going to talk to you today. The, the role of an evangelist is not just for evangelists. The Bible says that Paul told Timothy, who had a pastoral gift. He had a pastoral gift. He wasn't a pastor in the, the sense that we see pastor right now. But Timothy had a pastoral hospitality gift. And Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Do you realize the word evangelist or evangelism is, is so uh, uh, threatening to people because we think that we have to fit a certain paradigm. The word evangelism literally means declarer of good news. Now, what is the good news? It's not the good news like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, good news. Like it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. That, that's, good, that's good news, but that's not what the good news he's talking about. It's not talking about good news of a good praise, a, a good a great report. It's good news that God, an eternal God, left home and became a man and now is offering salvation to everyone. Why is the church not operating in that reality? Why are we stuck in what have you done for me lately? Why haven't we realized that this is so on God's heart that we've missed it? You know, to love Jesus is to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. And I have news for you. One of the things he loves is to partner with you to get Jesus known to the world. But watch this. You can't talk about Jesus if you haven't been spending time with Jesus. You don't know. You know, you could, you could fake that you know someone long enough until it's time to introduce them. Oh, that's good preaching. Because I could fake like I know some of y'all, and I'll come to a party and say, hey, yeah, this is my, my congregation. I'll never forget one time there was this, this person that, that came to me in a mall, and I acted like I knew them. And I had no clue that I was about to set up myself for a huge failure. 
they're coming to me, and I, you know, and they're coming to me. The mom, I'll share this story with some of you privately. And they're coming to me, and they're like, Pastor George, how you doing? I go, and I have that pastor face. How are you? How you doing? I'm like, who in the world is this? In my mind, I think I get that all the time. Pastor George, oh, man, I'm so good. I'm going, oh, this is awesome. How you doing? In my mind, I'm like, who is this person? I have no clue. I was faking like I knew them, and I didn't. But watch, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse because you can't really, you can only fake it for a while that you know someone until really it's revealed. And that's why evangelism in the church is lacking because we're, we, we don't know who Jesus is. So we don't, we don't share him. So this girl, this lady, go, this girl goes, oh, man, things are doing good. So how are you doing? Oh, man, things have been turning around for me. Thank God. And I go, what church do you go to? She goes, your church. I go, oh, and, you know, I was just joking. I, you know, you, you got me. That's good. You got, and, and, I, and I realized when I turned around, I was like, man, that was an embarrassing moment for me. I pretended like I knew a person when I had no clue she was sitting in my church the whole time. Now, not this church. It was, it was years ago. Why do I say that? Because we have to get to a place, and I'm going to get the first point here now, that we need to use our words. Now, 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 now. Hear me, I'm going to preach here in this moment. And I'm not trying to offend anybody. You've heard it say, I'm going to break this down. Uh, I even heard some of my leaders say it. And this is good for character. For ca Everybody say character. But not for evangelism. All right? Are you ready for this? The, 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 the cliche is, um, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Let me, let, me, let me just break that down. I, I agree with that when it comes to character. But biblically, no one got saved in the Bible by people being silent and just letting their character shine. But because co po contrary to popular opinion, the gospel message needs your words. And I'm going to prove it to you spirit, uh, scripturally. Because, yes, we need character. That's, that's, that phrase that I just said, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary use words, that's talking about letting people see your character. But I want to tell you, look at what the first slide says. Contrary to popular opinion, your words are needed to present the gospel. Everywhere in scripture, when people got saved, they didn't get saved even by just looking at Jesus and his holiness. They got saved by the declaration. That means you and I have a responsibility, God forbid, to open up our mouth. And we use the excuse that I'm just going to let my life shine and my character shine as an excuse not to talk to people about Jesus. I'm preaching good right now. Because as long as we just say, I, would just want, I just want them to see the glory on me while I walk. I just want them to see, I just want them to see my godly character. That is not the recipe biblically for how people get saved. And I'm going to prove it scripturally so you won't think that I'm trying to diss that statement. It's because we've got to graduate from the difference between people seeing our character to our responsibility to speak. The gospel needs your words. There is no shortcut about that. Well, look at this. Look at Acts chapter 4. And I'm going to break it down for you because you're looking at me like you're about to throw something at me. Acts chapter 4, look at verse 15. Watch this. This is good because some of us need to realize that he needs to use your words. And by the way, thank you, Lord, for that. I just heard this from the Lord. It, has no, it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert. He still needs your words. Well, you know, brother, I'm, I'm just an introvert. It doesn't matter. It doesn't say... 
I shall make you a, uh, if you follow me, a fisher of men, only if you're an extrovert. Your words are needed even in your introvertness. Does it mean that you have to do it like me or other people? But God needs your words. Say, God needs my words. The way that people got saved in the Bible and even here is because someone spoke the gospel. It wasn't by just you walking around letting your, your light shine and you said not a word. People did not get convicted like that. People got convicted by the word that was spoken from your mouth. And the Holy Spirit took your words and convicted people. And you don't have to know a lot of scripture. You just have to open your mouth. Watch. I'll, I'll prove it to you. I love this. Look at this. Acts chapter 4, verse 15. Are you there? Say amen. I got, got my good old-fashioned Bible here. But when they had commanded them to go outside. He's talking about the disciples. They were now in front of the magistrates and in front of the, the, the judges uh, because they're just a miracle that happened, a, a, a bona fide miracle where someone that was uh, bound for years, paralyzed, got healed by these people, right? You would think they would be happy. Look at this. Look at this. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they, confront, they confirmed among themselves, saying, what shall we do to these men? Oh, look at this. For indeed... A notable miracle has been done through them as evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Now watch, watch, watch. This is the culture of our day. Verse 17. But so that they will spread this no further for the people, let us severely threaten them. Watch this. That from now on, look at closely what they say. That they will not speak to no man in this name. Notice that they didn't say that they stopped living for Jesus. That you can still live for Jesus, just don't speak the name of Jesus. And, and you have to realize something. This is powerful. Because it keeps going to verse 20. Now, now, now I, want, I want you to read this. So they called, oh, this is so good. They called them and commanded them not to what? Come on, shout at me. Not to what? Wait, not to, not to, not to just shine your light? They commanded them not to speak. Watch this. Watch this. At all, nor teach. Last time I heard, you can't teach like this. Yeah, you may see peace in me. Yeah, you may see the presence of God on me. But you can't teach without opening your words, your mouth. So he said, you can't speak. Tell them, don't speak or teach in that name. Oh, this is powerful. Now, now look. Now, this is key. It says, don't teach or preach in that name. When I read this, I realized that verse 18 is a picture of the culture of our day. Look at me, church. Look at me. Here's the culture of America today. They're saying this to us. Hey, it's okay for you to go to Christian school in the name of Jesus. It's okay to raise your family in the name of Jesus. It's okay to go to church in the name of Jesus. It's okay to have Christian entertainment in the name of Jesus. It's okay for you to have Christian music in the name of Jesus. Just don't speak the name of Jesus. The culture of the day says, hey, don't bother us. That's fine. Go to a Christian academy. Go to have your Christian entertainment. Go to those Christian churches. Just don't speak about Jesus. Do you realize that this is the culture of the day today? That they don't mind us 
going to Christian events, but they mind us standing and speaking the name of Jesus. Why? Because all hell is afraid of the name of Jesus. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's still, oh, that got two amens. There's still power in the name of Jesus. But we don't tell people about Jesus anymore. We have to, it, we, we have to get to that place where verse 20, I haven't read it yet, describes why we can't stay silent. Now, this is going to be a, a revelation to some of you. Many of you, there's two camps in the Christian side. There's ones that believe in Jesus and declare Jesus because it's theologically right or because they chose to believe that that's correct. Then there's another camp that can't stop talking about Jesus because they've touched him and seen him and heard him. There's one camp that says, I know I got to do this. I know this sounds right, and I know this is good. Now watch what verse 20 says. This is the answer. answer. Actually, verse 19. Look at verse 19. Look, look at this. So they just threatened him not to speak, right? Most people be like, okay, that's fine. I'll just let my light shine. I'll just, I'll just keep walking. Look what Jesus said. Look, I mean, what the Bible says. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Now watch this. Oh, I'm going to shout. Be happy by myself. Verse 20. For we cannot help but, come on, say that with me. Say it with me. We cannot help but speak, watch this, the things which we have seen and heard. I can't stop talking about this man because it's not something that I deem to be theologically correct. It's more than that. I've seen him with my eyes. I felt him. I've touched him. And his grace transformed my life. It's not just a doctrine that I practice. It's not just something that makes sense. He goes, he goes we cannot help but to speak the things which seen and the things which we have heard. Can I hear an Amen. So this is why I say this, because the reason that they couldn't stop talking about him is because they got transformed by him and because they touched him. I'm wondering how often are we in our daily walk with God touching Jesus, talking to Jesus, and, and getting that opportunity for him to transform our lives so we can't help. You, you want to you know something? You can't tell... The, per, the reason why some people say, oh, you're just too fiery, you're too charismatic, is not because of their charismaticism, whatever that is. It's because they truly have had an encounter with Jesus. And some of us have become stale in our walk with God. When's the last time we have talked to somebody throughout this series, hopefully at least one time, about Jesus and his saving power? Say this after me. The gospel needs our words. I want you to go to the next point, Zach. Experiencing Jesus, look at the next point. It's going to be up on the screen. Point number two. You could take a picture of it or you could write it down. Point number two. Experiencing Jesus personally allows you to watch this. Witness out of an overflow instead of duty. Experiencing Jesus for yourself allows your witness to be an overflow, not a duty. You know, you know what an overflow is? Is that you don't have to rehearse it. It just comes naturally. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be graphic or funny at all, but you can't control a burp when it comes. It's just an overflow of something that's happening in you, right? It's like, well, well, well. <laughs> what happens is when you're bubbling and overflowing with something, it's witness will not be something that you have to memorize. It will be out of, out of an overflow of your love relationship with Jesus. 
and you'll desire to it. Have you ever, ever described something that was so loving in you? You did it with such zeal. Here's the difference. The difference between people speaking something that they just know is right versus those who speak what they experience and touch and handle is that those who speak out of personal experience, watch this, their words come with conviction and weightiness and passion. Their words come with authority and there's something on their words. Why? Because it's carrying the relationship that they have with what they're talking about. Can I hear an amen? Now look at this. You, fa you fast forward into 1 John chapter 1. So let go, let's go. You, you saw in the book of Acts. Now look at 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. I want you to see what the Bible says about words. Are you ready, Zach? If not, I'll just, okay. First John, I'll go to it. First John chapter 1. And I want you to read verse 1 through verse 3 as it's going to be up there, okay? Look, watch this. Look at what it says here. First John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, I'm going to shout. You shout with me, okay? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and we have what? Do you remember what we just read in the book of Acts? We cannot help but to speak what we have seen and heard. Watch. That which we saw from the beginning, which we have heard, and what we have seen were the eyes, which we have looked upon. Whoa, I love this. And our hands have handled. Watch this. Concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that, that eternal life which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Watch this. Look at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard. We what? We what? We what? That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. The church needs to go back to seeing and hearing Jesus on a daily basis. Do you know that that sounds simple, but I want to prophesy something to you right now that I've never said. This simple act of obedience covers all the gifts of the Spirit that you need. A lot of people say to me, uh, I even talk to some prophets. They say, George, people tell me all the time to teach them how to prophesy, to teach them how to hear God's voice. And, and I say, what's the first thing you tell them? And they say, the first thing I tell them that it's not about a gift is that you need to spend time with the one who's speaking. This is from a prophet. Same with evangelism. The same thing. It's an overflow, spending time with the person who is speaking. And the more you spend time with someone, the more you recognize their voice and they don't have to introduce themselves anymore. Some of you, if you call me, I'm like, who is this? But, it, but if I speak to you every day and you call me, you don't have to say, hi, this is Lewis. You just say, what up? And in your what up, you don't have to say, it's Lewis. like, oh, Lou, what's up, Lou? You know why? Because I spent long hours and time talking with Lou, and so I know his voice. How do you know God's voice? Spending time with him. Is that simple? Yes. But are we doing it? No. This is the same with evangelism. Come on, say amen. It's the same thing with evangelism, and we have to get this right. You know even in the Old Testament, you know what the Old Testament says in the book of Daniel? You don't have to turn there. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament says, 
they that know their God shall do mighty exploits. Those who know their God shall do mighty exploits. This is something that God is wanting for all of us from the beginning. And I'm going to give you one last scripture before I go to my last point here, okay? Are you getting something this morning? Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and I want you to look at verse 13. Romans 10 verse 13, amen. I'm fighting that, that darkness demon in the name of Jesus. Romans chapter 10 verse 13, look at this. Don't fall asleep on me. Get excited. Now, oh, I love this. In the NLT, now I'm going to read, you got the NLT on, Zach? Okay, now, my, my Bible is New King James, so I'm going to read, watch this, from verse 13 through 15. And I want every person to look on the screen in the NLT version that God needs your words to declare the gospel for people to get saved, not just your character. They need your words. Now, if your character is not matching up with your words, that's another problem. Whole another sermon, right? That's whole another sermon because people say, well, I've seen you at work. Why are you telling me about Jesus? You just cursed and had an affair yesterday. So we have to make sure that our character lines up, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say it's only your character. It's your words. I didn't get amen because no one wants to say their words. It's okay. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is good old-fashioned preaching, right? Look, look, look at this. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. But how will anyone go? No, okay. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Now watch. And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? Come on, church. Someone say amen. How can they believe in Jesus unless they heard? How do you hear? Gee, by maybe opening up your mouth and using real words to real people about Jesus. What does that look like? That looks like this. Hey, bro, I understand that we're, we're friends, but you know, have I ever told you that you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus? Uh, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? When's the last time you said that? They need your words. Watch this. How can they believe in him if they never heard about him? Watch this. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Unless someone tells them, I just broke your theology that all you need is your character. He, the, the Bible says, how can they know unless someone tells them? You are the mouthpiece of God. You have to get to a place where you talk to people about the Lord because that's the only way that they're going to get saved. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? They told Reinhard Bunke one time. Reinhard Bunker, the famous evangelist, they said, why don't we just keep your, why, why, do, why, why do you have to share about Jesus so much? Why can't you just live for Jesus and not talk about it? Why can't you just keep your faith silent? And those, how many know Reinhard Bunke? There's that the awesome German man who won like millions, millions, in one crusade in his prime in Africa, he had like 1.7 million people in attendance, in attendance. And like 1.7 million people got saved. Can you imagine that? In one service, 1.7 million people got saved. So, so, he's, so he, he goes, I'll tell you why I can't t t keep my faith to myself. There's not one reason. He goes, there's 7.5 billion reasons. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? He goes, there's 7.5 billion people on the face of the earth that need the declaration of the gospel. And if you don't speak, and if I don't speak, they will not hear the message of the gospel. 
This is why we can't stay silent. Can I tell you something? Stop looking at this as ministry. Well, I want to say that again. Stop looking at this pulpit and this stage to define ministry for you. It's in the classroom in your school. It's in the bank at the teller where you work. It's at the Publix where you're, uh, where you're a cashier. Come on, amen. It, it, it's, it's in the office when you're an accountant. It's in the doctor's office when you're a doctor or a nurse. Come on. That is where ministry happens. That is where it's in your school, in your classroom. So, so here's, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Put this last point up, and then I'm going to share something with you. I want the worship team to come up. Edwin and the team, I want you to, work, uh, to come up here. Evangelism has two parts. Put that last, there it is. Evangelism has two parts. Number one is the message. Say the message. Now, now the message is the truth about Jesus Christ and his salvation to humanity. There's many of you that know about Jesus, but you don't know his message. We need to rehearse and get familiar with the message again. Can I hear an amen? Can I just, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But if I were to come to you and say, and say, I want you to lead, do you know how to lead someone to the Lord? It's funny because I overheard uh, Pastor John say the same thing to the youth. I, didn't, I wasn't even planning on sharing that. But think about it. Do, have you done that? Now, I'm going to get to that in a second. Don't, don't wave your hands. All right? So the first part of evangelism is the message. Say the message. Can I ask you a question? Which of you, by the raising of your hands, got saved because an angel knocked on your door and said, you must turn to Jesus now or perish? Come on, where's those hands up? Come on, come on. Come on, everyone should be accountable. No, no none of you did, right? Who in you in here got saved because someone opened their mouth and invited you to church or, or presented the gospel message to you? A hundred percent of you did. A hundred percent. Or you watched a TV program. Whatever the case is, there was a person speaking their words, and the Holy Spirit used those words, watch this, and it convicted your heart. Do you realize that that's kind of good and bad? Because without that, people are not going to get saved. And the church needs to return to the early church form where that was a norm. Sharing their faith with the Lord. Why? Because we, I love what Reinhard Bunke says with his thick German accent. I want to plunder hell and populate heaven. You know what our job is? I'm going to give you your job. Description. Plunder hell, populate heaven. Well, Pastor George, you know, I'm, I'm more in discipleship. I'm not that. You, by discipleship, you will plunder hell and populate heaven. Well, Pastor George, you know, I'm a doctor and I'm a lawyer. I really don't do that stuff. By your lawyer business, you will plunder hell and populate heaven. Watch this. The second part, the second part of it is action. Say action. So there's two parts to evangelism. There's the message. Say the message. And then there's the action. The action is the part where we're missing. Do you know that Jesus never once said, that the problem is the harvest. He said the problem is the laborers. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, guys, we have a problem. Come over here. We don't have enough harvest. There's not enough worldly people. What are we going to do? We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're going to preach to each other, I guess, because there's only like 10 out there. No. He goes, you're going to always have the harvest. The problem that we have is not the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that was 2,000 years ago, before the distractions of technology. Imagine now. Imagine all the comforts that we have now that stop us from being, watch this, the laborers in God's kingdom. Jesus is still saying 2,000 years later, 
The harvest is plentiful. Guys, I don't have to preach at you. Just look in your own neighborhood. The harvest is plentiful. Look in your own job. The harvest is plentiful. Look at your school. The harvest is really plentiful. I said it before and I'll say it again. Some of the administrators of this building, when we gave them the backpacks, they're like, Pastor George, we really need the gospel here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, we really need the gospel here. I'm not saying this to condemn this, but I know if you guys, if you guys saw that there was, when you guys came in, some of you guys came in, there was, the whole fence was taken out because some, from what I heard, rebellious teens in the school just started, started climbing the fence and just knocked the whole fence over. Why do I say that? Not to highlight bad, is that we are hope to the world. And the reason why lawlessness is running rapid is because Christians are remaining silent. Come on, church. We can't remain silent anymore. Come on. Am I just preaching to myself this morning? I said, am I preaching to myself? Is anyone hearing? Now watch this. I want to read a statistic to you. I want everyone to listen. I read a statistic the other day. In recent study, 80% of Christians, say 80%. 80% of Christians surveyed believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. But over 60% of those Christians surveyed that believe that they have a responsibility to share their faith, 60% have not shared the gospel of the good news to one person in a year. According to this, in one whole year. It means one whole year went by, we're in the bus, we're in the park, we're at Publix, and not a word about God. Not a word about His love. Not a word about His grace. I know that's convicting you. Let it convict you. I'm not here to condemn you, but I need to awaken something in you that this is not the norm in the early church. The early church was not, what have you done for me lately? The early church was, I am so in love with God that I can't help but to speak that which we've seen and heard. Do you know there's people dying all around you and we have the nervous Christians to act holier than thou and act like the world is an inconvenience for us. We have to get back to grassroots. Now I'm almost done here. I'm almost done. But there's three types of opportunities and I wrote this down. And this is not in your, in your notes or it's not something that the Lord just gave this to me uh, last night. Um, and I want you to say this with me. There are three types of opportunities. Say, pray, take, and make. Say that with me. Pray, take, and make. One more time. Pray, take, and make. So what we need to do is we need to, for opportunities, we need to pray for opportunities. We need to take the opportunities that come to us that we don't make. And then we need to make opportunities that are not there. All right? Here's what I mean. Paul the Apostle asked the people of God, to pray for him. What's the reason to pray? So that he could articulate the gospel. Do you realize that? When's the last time you said, Lord, I, I need to pray about, uh, about giving me an opportunity? I remember years ago, because I had the excuse that I was waiting for a sign. See, some of us, we're, we're waiting for a sign for something that God already told us to do, and God is not giving you a sign. I'm saying to you, God is never going to give you a sign to something he said. It's like, Lord, if I'm supposed to live holy, give me a sign. I remember years ago because of my fear or when I was a young person and my intimidation to talk to people about God. I, literally, I was sitting in my car and the Holy Spirit would say, talk to your neighbor. I'm like, what up, Lord, I'm, I'm not joking. This actually happened. 
Lord, if this is you that I'm feeling, have someone knock on my door right now. No lie. That's why I said that. And then, then nothing happened. And the Lord kept stirring me. And so I said, okay, I'll give 30 seconds, Lord. So I counted to 30. One. In 30 seconds, if this is you, have someone knock on my door. That's how I know. No knock. Nothing. And that feeling didn't go away. So finally I'm like, you know what? I, don't, I felt this, the Lord say, I don't need to give you a sign of something that's already in my word for you to do. So I got up, watch this, without feeling the Holy Spirit all over me. All I knew is a stirring. And I went to my neighbor, and I opened my mouth. I started talking to them, engaging in conversation. I, wanted, I asked if I could pray for their family. And when I asked them to pray for our family, I started sharing my testimony. You know, I was here, too, I think, last week, and I remember how one of our congregants looked at Stephanie and said, Stephanie, if it wasn't for you sharing your testimony, I would not be able to forgive. What a powerful statement that is. All she did was, I had struggled forgiving, and I finally did. And that testimony touched someone that was struggling with forgive, and she got set free. Don't tell me God can't use your testimony to set people free. Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians, verse 6. We could put it up there quickly, Zach. Ephesians verse 6, verse 18. Look at what it says here. Ephesians 6, verse 18. It says, Make supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel that is declared to me. In other words, he knew he had fear. So he said, Pray for an opportunity that God will give me boldness. So that's prayer. Number two, say take. Take the opportunities that are given to you. You know what? There's sometimes that you're not searching for something and someone starts opening you. I've, I've heard this before. So, something, an opportunity starts giving it to you. Take the opportunity that's presented to you. You're in Publix or you're in Walmart or you're, and someone starts opening about, about their pain. And sadly, this is what I see. But You know what? You'll get over it. Don't worry. God, you, you get over it or I'll be praying for you. There's someone right in front of you who is opening up to you. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? He come, when's the last time you guys were in the mall and you're just walking, eating a hamburger, and someone does this? What must I do to get saved? And you're like, this is the easiest evangelism that has ever happened to me. Do you just be like, hey, man, I'm going to pray for you. It's okay, man. You, just, you need to go to church over there. We, got, we have service at 10 a.m. I'll see you there. What must I do to get saved? Jesus, Jesus took the opportunity that was with him. And he says, you know what? I see that money is your God. So I want you to sell everything you have and follow me. He, he took an opportunity to highlight something in his life that he was deprived of. When was the last time you guys had an opportunity presented to you and you didn't take advantage of it? The second form of opportunity is take opportunity. When you're in the job, when you're painting, and someone talks to you, man, I just, I feel lonely. Yeah, you'll get over it. Don't worry. Or... Do you say, wait a minute, there's, an there's a window here that I could talk to them. Come on, church. You're in the bank, and you're about to get money, and you're, and you're, and you're busy. But the teller is like, man, I've had a horrible day. Hello? These are opportunities that God has given you. And then thirdly, make opportunities. Say make. And I'm closing with this. Make, say make, opportunities. For the gospel. Come on, say that with me. Say, make opportunities for the gospel. Look at, look at me. 
In Acts chapter 16, I'm not going to turn you there. I'm not going to have you turn there. There was Paul and the rest of the people were in prison, and they got interrupted by God, not the devil. And God sent an earthquake and opened all the prison doors. Don't you think that that's an opportunity for them to be free? And I'm going to be very transparent with you. If that was me, I'm like, God did this earthquake for me. He did. He actually did. God sent the earthquake, and the Bible says that prison doors were open. So imagine you got convicts and people that are not convicts, they're in prison, and God, not the devil, causes an earthquake, and you know it's God, because you just praise, and God opened the door for you. I'll be like, let's leave. Paul says, no, I'm going to make an opportunity out of this. Watch this. I'm going to make an opportunity. The guys are like, what are you doing? Let's leave. God opened the prison doors. They're wide open. Let's leave. God is the one who's freeing us. I know he is, but he's also presenting us an opportunity. Let's all stay. So the jailer comes in. And he goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh, my God. All the prison doors. I'm going to get fired from my job. This is going to progress. They're going to cut my head off. Oh, my God. And the Bible says that the jailer was about to kill himself. That's how bad. Man, you have to have a mean boss to do that. He's about to kill himself because he saw all the prisons open. He's like, it's over for me. I'll never have a job again. And Paul the apostle and all the convicts were sitting. The door was wide open. They're like, stay here, guys. There's an opportunity that's going to present itself that we're going to make something good out of this. Hey, 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 j hey, jailer. Don't hurt yourself. We're all here. We're still here. I can, now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I can say, I would, if I would have been in jail, I would have been like, what in the world are you dying still, still, still here? And you know what the answer would be? We're still here because of you. Because God interrupted this whole thing just for one person, you. He said, what must I do to get saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Declaration. And you and your household shall be saved. Do you know the whole purpose that God opened the prison doors? I'm going to be honest with you. I've never preached this before. was not to set the jailers physically free. It was to create an opportunity for the jailer to get saved. Watch. I'm closing with this. Just In the Bible, there's a story. Hear me, please. I'm about to close. This is important to me. There's a story... Where Jesus said, in the day of judgment, you're going to see rewards. And then he starts talking about, you will hear the Lord say, I was destitute and naked, and you went to visit me. I was in prison, and you came and visited me. I was hungry, and you fed me. And I will say to the righteous those days, in the judgment, come to the everlasting joy of the Father. And then the Bible says that the disciple says, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry? When did we ever see you naked? When did we ever see you destitute of food? When did we ever see you, a righteous king, in prison? He said, when you did it for them, you did it for me. Watch. I heard of a story, true story. Every time I tell a story, I feel the, I feel the presence of God. And I want to share this story with you in closing. Years ago, I, I saw a story of a man of God. This was in the mid-90s. He was telling a story how he, he was an evangelist. And he was going to a crusade to, to, uh, to preach. And as he's preaching, he's in, uh, you know, we preachers, we love to eat. <laughs> so he was in a restaurant. He was a nice restaurant. Right? 
And, and as he's in his restaurant, he's ordering this big meal for himself, for his staff. And he looks out to this corner, and he sees this old man, homeless, bum, on the, on the corner begging. And as he's begging, people are passing by him all the time. He's ordering his food, and he keeps being compelled to share the gospel with him. So he started sharing the love of Jesus with him. And after about 10 minutes of sharing the gospel with this bum on the street, he invited him into this fancy restaurant where everyone was nicely dressed and he was smelling like all kinds of stuff. He said, I want you to sit right there. And he told the waiter, hey, anything that man wants, I want you to get it for him. He goes, that man? He goes, yes, that man right there. So he kept looking at him. He kept eating, kept talking to his pastor friends, kept looking at him. And so he kind of forgot about him. The guy ordered a huge plate, I mean, full of rice and steak and salad and soup. And they brought it to him, right? And so after a while, he looked. And when he turned around, he saw that the plate was untouched. Not, not one bit of food was taken. But he also noticed that the man was not there. So he went frantically saying, the preacher said, do you remember that man? What are you talking about? What man? The man that was there that we ordered. No, we haven't seen him. What happened to him? Did he leave? I don't know. Did he take a bite? I don't know. So he was puzzled. Where did this guy go? Where did this guy go? I, I, I wanted him to get food. As they were all going to the event, the, the, the evangelist felt a pull from the Holy Spirit. Go to your hotel room and pray before tonight's meeting. He felt, he, so he told his friends, guys, I don't know why, but I need to go to my hotel room to pray because I feel an urgency from the Lord to spend some time with the Lord. So he goes there, and he's spending time with the Lord, and all of a sudden, as he's spending time with the Lord, he's on his knees, and he feels this brilliant presence behind him. And he feels, he feels light enter the room. This glorious presence enters the room. And he's and he's shaken by the power and the glory of God in that room. And all of a sudden, as he turns around and he looks, he says, God, what is this? I feel your glory. And he turns around. And as he turns around, he sees that old man standing there with his wide, hands wide open. But this time he had a glow about from the top of his head to a soldier's feet. Is that same old man that he offered the food to. And he had his hands wide open. And he looked at him, at the preacher, and he said, I was hungry, and you fed me. And he disappeared. And the man started weeping, and he heard that scripture. If you did it to them, you did it to me. Do you know that Jesus walks the streets today in the form of a homeless man? In the form, sometimes children have more compassion than we do. I'm going to tell you a story that I wasn't even planning on sharing. I was at, see, here's, remember about making opportunities, right? Sometimes opportunities come to you. We were at Papa John's just two days ago. This is not like a, me and Jaden. Man, Jaden convicts me every day. We're coming in, Jaden, and we're, you know, I, I usually get cards. I go into cash, but he has some wallet and he has some cash. And so he, he took, we, we went to Papa John's, it's me and him, because my, my high school is in, my Jonathan is in high school now. And so we're spending some daddy time. So we're going to Papa John's, and this guy goes, hey, man, you know, just like, Thuggish dude, hey man, you got, some, you got some money, man, I'm hungry. And I honestly said, I, I don't, I just have credit cards, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. And then, this is a true story, Lord forgive me. Jaden in his pure heart, dad, I have, I go, shh, shh. I'll talk to you, that's high. They may, they, they, sometimes they just want stuff for, you know, for drugs and stuff. And he's like, 
but that, I have money. Come inside. So we're ordering. The Holy Spirit's like, uh, 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 to me, right? I go, so you, so you have money? Yeah, I have, I have money. I could get, Dad, I could give him $5. No lie. God's my witness. Dad, I could give him $5. I said, oh, all right. I said, look, after we get the pizza, I said, I want you to give it to him. So fine. We get out. This is just three days ago. Comes out. Pulls his. Puts the $5 out of his wallet. Said, hey. Comes out. And everyone's rejecting this guy. And uh, he goes, hey, hey, sir. I, my dad didn't have money, but I have money. And I want to give you $5. He goes, God bless you, young man. God bless you. Gave him $5. We went inside. Got the pizza. Went back outside in the car. As we're sitting in the car, I go, Jaden, look. I looked. And he took that $5 and he was at Panda Express right next door in line waiting to get food. Immediately after he got that $5, I go, Jaden, look, he used your $5 not to spend it on drugs, but he was literally really hungry. And God used you today. And God says, if I have it, I want to bless people with it. This is a 10-year-old boy that had enough compassion to, 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 to go past the garbage that we go through and says, I want to be an extension of love. That's what we need. Can I hear an amen? Let's stand up right now. Let's stand up. Come on. I want us to close this series with a movement of compassion. And I feel led to say this to you before we pray, before we sing. Some of you are so bound that you can't share. But I want to share something with you. In your brokenness, still offer hope. And you will see how God is going to bring hope to you. What you make happen for others, God will make happen to you. Even if you say, I, I need ministry too. But if you share Jesus, I'm telling you, God is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's move out of selfishness and into love. Can we be a community that loves people well? Come on. Can we be a community that loves God well? Lift up our hands right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.